Welcome to the Recruitment Roundup with Toby and Nadia of Harrington Star. This is our one podcast a week where we talk about us and our passion for great recruitment. Five days a week, we shine a light on the individuals making waves in the world of fintech. And on a Sunday, we bring you the Recruitment Roundup. This week, we're super excited because we're going to be talking about the candidate's experience, the interview, its process, its exhibition of EDP, bonding with the team, return to office. Also, we're going to be talking about pre-boarding and, of course, the crucial as ever, onboarding. All our pods are normally with the people that hire, but we feel, we feel that this is really relevant because we are always talking and celebrating exactly why these businesses are great businesses to work for and what makes them truly unique. So, Toby, it would be brilliant if you could kick us off and tell us about your pods this week. Thank you, Nadia, I will. And I'll just also say well done for you because you are currently in a park. This is the first podcast we've done on the move with poor little Nina who's not very well on the way to the doctor. <laughs> so, so the commitment you're showing is absolutely extraordinary to getting this done and I hope everyone recognises that. And if you hear a little a couple of gurgles Thanks, or whimpers, that'll be Nina out there as well. So, so big shout out, we've got, we've got our little co-host back um, yeah. this, 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 this time out. So coming back to the point you wanted me to talk, talk about who I've been speaking to this week. So we've got, uh, we've got four great ones coming up that I've been chatting to. Spoke to Manny Shaver at Tier 1 out in America, someone who'd actually been on a plane to New York and back in business meetings, which was exciting to hear out there. We spoke a lot about the evolution of CRM, but most interestingly for me was I've spoken to a lot of companies who've taken investment or been acquired, but this was about a business that's been acquisitive through the, the pandemic and loads of interesting bits there about playing offense that I loved uh, talking to Manish about. So that'll be out very soon. Richard Leader from FX Hedge was, was really interesting. We got sort of spoke of a, uh, a sort of hedging 101 for people to uh, to really look at that that world. Really good guy again out in America at Boston this time, and more good conversation come through. So there. Then I went on to our most interviewed ever person on fintech Focus TV, which was Phil Saving from uh, Task Guys. Really interesting. Task Guys we sort of covered every year from the financial technologists that being uh, put on the list. They're four times entrance to it going from a startup through to, 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 to where they are now in that sort of scale-up phase. And this year has been a good, another good one for them where, where it's been really interesting to see the changing attitude of their client base from Task Guys as an absolute essential business and really, really interesting company to be talking to and feels a always good quality, always good conversation. As is Adam Toms over at OpenFin, who was on the show for the third time as well. OpenFin, another business which I think has uh, gone through extraordinary stages of growth over the last year. What I loved about that conversation was just the art of, of creating new solutions to customer problems, listening to the customer and bringing all that through. So my golden threads I talk about ran all the way through those businesses and I really enjoyed the conversations and I hope you do, you do too. Who have you been speaking to, Nadia? So, Bob, I've been really busy this week and I've had some fantastic conversations. The first was with Andrea Spark of Top and Merrill, and I love talking to Andrea, and I know that you've, you've had a number of conversations with her as well, but she is just so eye-opening when it comes to how staff are looked after and invested in. And what I absolutely loved about the conversation with her was she was talking really openly about returning to the office, which is a topic that's so relevant for all of us right now. And what yeah. she was talking about is keeping the hybrid model live and being able to really support people whether being in the office is the right thing for them or whether being at home is better for them her main point was talking about individuals and understanding what's going to get the best out of them and I think that's just such a relevant topic right now because 
we're all thinking about returning to the office, how we can best support our people. And when we think about the candidates' experience, when they are onboarding, when they are interviewing, it's so, so relevant that we're having these conversations with everybody across the marketplace to ensure that the individual and what gets the best out of them is looked at. So Andrea spoke about the difference between presenteeism and productivity and said actually with some people it is about being present but with others it's about being present at the right times so I thought that was a really relevant one to talk about and celebrate and then the second part that I wanted to talk about this week was with the great Dagmara Aldridge of Zumo so Zumo are on a really great mission at the minute and they're trying to demystify exactly what crypto is and I love their tagline because it's basically saying we will explain it in such simple terms that you could get your grandmother to understand what crypto is, which um, I think is really relevant to everybody. But crypto especially has been in the marketplace this week, in the media this week. There's been incredible. lots of incredible stories. So I would actually say everyone should have a look at the Zumo website because they're so good at um, sharing information in easy, bite-sized ways of understanding it. And Dagmara's absolutely a brilliant part of that. She's their COO, and she was talking about leading in ways that are perhaps unconventional and unexpected. And again, very much in line with the theme that we're talking about, because she wants to look after her staff in ways that's unique to them and what they need. And she, what she said in her pod is often a great leader isn't necessarily what you expect it to be. It doesn't necessarily always have to be authoritarian. It can be much more caring, much more empathetic, uh, much more nurturing, but also in a way where you're getting the best out of people. So I felt that both of these were really relevant just to direct people to go and listen to, because I think there's so much learning in them. And I've really enjoyed speaking to both of them this week too. So Toby, back to you. What other challenges have you been seeing? So I think that this is a really interesting theme that we were discussing beforehand, which is, which is this concept of getting the candidate experience right. And candidate experience has always been a sort of contentious one in interviewing, because I think traditionally, particularly in NFS, it's been impress me if you want to get the job. Over the course of the last five years, it's been drawn more into the spotlight that, that, that you know, it, is, it is a two-way process and people need to provide a better experience all the way through the journey. And I think it's quite interesting at the moment about the difference between companies who are getting this right and companies who are getting it wrong. And there remains this sort of clunky process in a number of different areas where we are seeing people miss out on talent consistently because of elaborate and, um, and poorly planned interview processes that where the feedback is poor and that poor uh, feedback leads to people wanting to withdraw from uh, processes. And I was, I was having this conversation with two of our newer starters recently where I was talking to them about first class, you know, first class travel, you know, five Michelin star restaurants, you know, luxury uh, hotels and boutiques, etc. What are you looking for when you when you look for a first for you know for a five star experience? And when you when you are failing to uh, have the opportunity to to meet face to face with people, and I say this with with I was you know uh, speaking to a hostage negotiator yesterday with regards to the art of communication excellence. And there's a great conversation done by North Star, uh, and Rob Kennett was, uh, was, was the host of this. And he talked about the 738.55 rule. And this is, you know, 7% of the things, uh, you know, to, to paraphrase it, 7% is what you say, 38% is how you say it, but 55% is body language. 
about how people make those those all important first impressions and when you haven't got that face to face and it is there on zoom how are you going to make sure that you make up for that body language and that ability to engage people and win those hearts and minds he, he, he said a phrase that i love that i know is going to be one for that, that appeals to you nadia as well which is every shot is at the heart make sure every shot is at the heart and what he means by that is people buy with the heart so when you could take someone through that journey and you are thinking about your candidate experience, how are you getting them to buy, which is effectively what they're doing, they're buying your sell of that job, of you joining that company. How are you going to make sure that every shot you take all the way through that is at the heart and they're, they're moving into that, that, sort of, that sort of process? How are you going to make sure that you stand out in every single aspect against the four or five other opportunities they're going to, they're going to have? How are you going to make sure that there's additional touches? I spoke uh, recently about one of our consultants, George Bean, you know, getting a candidate to work with him on a job that's definitely the best opportunity for him. But he spent a lot of time really listening to the important parts of what was important to that candidate, you know, his one, two, threes, his priorities. And that candidate's one, two, threes were very much about the culture and, and being part of something. So to get the, the CEO who wasn't part of the process on the phone to talk to him about their, their journey. And, and do a touch after the interview, which was a big differentiator, I think is a, is a, a, a great magic touch, a part of candidate experience that, that, that proves to me the, the importance of, of what can make the difference and how you can get people over the line. And I think the more thought that's put into that, the better. And that, that candidate experience can be about how they are in, onboarded, about the conversations before and afterwards about the way that they're inducted into the business, the way they're feeling they're included. We've spoken about that before on this show. But also every single stage of the interview process, are the, are the Zoom's going to be on time. Are they, is every manager on tune in terms of what they want to do through the process? Are they remembering to sell all the way through the stages? Is the project pretty seamless in terms or process pretty seamless in terms of what candidate needs to do through it? How are we making sure that there's a differentiator in that, in that process? Because without question, if you're interviewing a good technologist at the moment, you have to be of the, of the mindset that they're going to have three, four opportunities on them. So, so that candidate experience is a big, big tick in how you are going to make sure that you get the person you want to first time every time. And I think candidate experience is something which people can really do some good work on to channel people into their business. What are you saying? I totally agree. Totally, totally agree. And I think you've touched upon so many things that touch my heart as well. And I think what, what is my call to action on this point today? It's very much about just remembering the person in the process. And I think often we can get sidetracked. And when we're trying to identify the best candidate, we start looking at CVs rather than people. And we start looking at skill sets as they are right now rather than people potential. So my call to action is very much about understanding exactly what that person's motivations are. Um, and I really, I really appreciate everything that you've said on that, Toby, because I think that all of us can forget that it doesn't matter how senior you are, when you are applying for a job, it is going to cross your mind, am I good enough for this job? And actually, what I always, always try and encourage is for businesses to put themselves in the same shoes as that person applying. Because realistically, one of the biggest problems we face in technology today is that staff are not being retained and people are not sticking as long as they should do with a company, with a project, with a team. 
And I think that's often down to the way that hiring happens and how we are looking for somebody who is the finished article rather than potential. So my call to action on this is very much about investing in people, which I know I talk about every single week. People potential I talk about every single week. But I think that there's huge, huge amounts of opportunity. And more importantly, in this market, there's huge amounts of differentiators if we bring a bit of humanity to our interview processes. And I think that within that, just as the example you gave with George B, once the CEO was made aware of exactly what, the, what that individual wanted, what their potential was, what they'd like to get to within their career, suddenly a whole new avenue was untapped and unlocked for, for that CEO to be able to talk to that person about it. And realistically, if we all think about each and every one of us as human beings, if you are having that deep personal connection in an interview, that's the sort of thing that many, many people are going to be much more fired up by uh, rather than an extra £1,000 on a basic or getting into some sort of bidding war over salaries. And I really think that, that for me, this topic is about remembering the individual, remembering that actually when we go into interviews, we should be interviewing the candidate just as much as the candidate is interviewing the company to make sure it's a right long-term fit um, and the potential is correct on both sides. I think that's, that's a really important part of what we're talking about today. Definitely. It, it's, it's a really interesting sort of predicament for people to be looking at. It's a new challenge. We're at a, a different phase than we've been at, at any other stage in the, in the last year. You know, I, I said this uh, last week, you know, if we, if we rewind the clock back a year ago to where, to where we're at and the challenge being absolutely, po- it couldn't be more different. Couldn't be more different from April, May last year to this year in terms of where that you know where that challenge sits from you know not being able to, to you know or, or, or seeing the job pipeline that we had drop by 50 60 percent seeing it explode at the moment but then seeing this sort of talent pipeline just being really really tight just means that, that there has to be a, you know, an almost instantaneous change in attitude around where they goes and companies that get that right and are getting it right and doing some brilliant work around that are uh, absolutely thriving and prospering from it so it's, it's a it's a really interesting to see Thing to see i also want to talk nadia and i haven't sort of prepped you for this but i saw your post recently in the week that really inspired me about the, the results from your 17 percent list and just how well you've been doing about driving and you know, as you always talk about walking the talk driving the cause of diversity in in the sector tell us a little bit about that and some of the wins that you've had there um, I think potentially the biggest win, I mean, I know I posted about tangibles um, such as the new vacancies that have been created for diverse candidates in particular to tackle the gender imbalance within our, within our industry. But, but actually, one of the biggest wins for me is that there is a barrier that we all, we all have when it comes to authentic diversity, equity and inclusion. And that is that a number of people in the industry, they know it's the right thing to do, but they haven't necessarily made the connection between inclusion and authentic inclusion and success of their business. Um, and that's the honest truth. This is one of the biggest barriers that I face when I'm speaking to different businesses. If you don't have that backing from senior members of staff, C-level members of staff, it becomes incredibly futile any of the work that you try and do with other members of staff in the company because they can be treading water so desperately to make change happen. But if it isn't led from the top and therefore filtered down below, it becomes very difficult. And the 
real successes that I've seen in probably this year since January has been the amount of C-level members of staff that have got in touch with me, like just called me on my mobile and said, right, I want to talk about a DNI committee that I'm setting up. What are the most impactful things that I can be doing? What, what should be the first things that we look at? And it's been an absolute breath of fresh air to have these types of conversations and to get onto a Zoom. And as you say, you know, you see the body language and you know if someone's switched on and listening to you. And it's been so, so brilliant and really exciting for me to feel that change is afoot and people are making this connection and people are open to trying new and different ways of attracting new and different people to the industry, which is only going to make us stronger more successful, more profitable as a sector. And that makes me really, really excited. But just to go over some of the numbers, because of the 17% list and my work to really elevate the ability of people to see the females across the, across the sector and the females interested in applying to the sector, we have, um, in the past four months, created 28 unique positions for these women that I've been supporting and, and helping find new roles. And then on top of that, there's been a further 62 positions that have come to Harrington Star because of the work that I've been doing for diversity, equity and inclusion within businesses who are driving this forward. And that to me is, the, is really, really exciting. I remember a couple of years ago, Bab, we were at an award and whoever won the award on the stage said, get with the programme, you, mm-hmm. you need to be involved in diversity and, and inclusion. And, and back then, I didn't make the connection to how, how important it would be to the success of this industry and how, as an industry, without it, we are holding ourselves back. And the fact that so many people now understand that is brilliant. However... We are not at the tipping point yet. So I'm, as you all know, I'm, I'm in the process of writing um, a book at the minute, which is going to also be called Walk the Talk, uh, the fintech women who walk the talk. And it's about how do we drive change for this debate for diversity, equity and inclusion. And I think that one of my biggest chapters is around all the good stuff we're doing but isn't enough if we don't reach a tipping point. And for me, some of the tipping point factors are you need your, your heads off to really drive this forward and support it. You need DNI committees that are allowed to turn desire into policy and policy into procedure and procedure into culture. And there's a number of different ways you can do that. And I'm really happy to talk people through that. And of course, you need to have everyone um, as an ally um, and being vigilant to build psychological safety within the business. So those are a few headlines around what I've been doing, but something that I'm really, really excited about. So yeah, look, it's brilliant to see that. And as I, as I sort of mentioned on LinkedIn, I think it's been positively inspiring to see so much of the work that you've been doing doing around that and so many new opportunities that's, that have been opened up. And, and there is a very, very interesting sea of change that's washing over and an opportunity to do things better. And I love to see you driving that. So challenges are plenty, but opportunities even more so. Some brilliant companies doing brilliant things. And we've loved talking about it and bringing so many of the the great companies onto uh, Fintech Focus TV and the podcast over recent weeks and months. So we should continue to do that. All that we ask from from you is that uh, you continue to listen. We thank you so much for it but also to, to spread the pod as far and wide as possible and make sure we are able to continue to push this to all corners of the globe as we have been. And we hope it's adding as much value. As always, if there are things that we can be doing better, conversations you want us to explore, topics that would help, or even people you want to have on the show, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you from me 
it has been a pleasure as always thanks for watching or listening should i say thanks everyone